Hi guys, you are so very welcome to this latest podcast episode. I am super excited to tell you that I have the wonderful Orla Reed on as a special guest today. Orla is an accredited psychotherapist for over 12 years who specializes in addiction, recovery and sexology, which is the field of sex, intimacy and relationships. She helps her clients overcome and recover from unwanted habits and behaviors relating to alcohol, substances, food, etc. So they lead the so they can lead the healthy life they strive for. Her practice is 100% online. And I'm going to include this in the show notes. Um, but you can go to orlareed.com for more information. That's O-R-L-A-G-H-R-E-I-D.com. Orlareed.com. And I'm so excited. We're going to discuss a topic very close to my heart. We're going to discuss for the 30 minutes addressing and overcoming unwanted behaviors which may be holding you back, relating to food alcohol, sugar, cigarettes, all of these unwanted and often unhealthy habits have a big impact on physical, mental and emotional health. We unconsciously and often consciously get caught into a familiar cycle of using alcohol, binge eating, experiencing a temporary high or fulfillment, then plunged into feeling bad, making a commitment to change and then relapsing again. Orla is going to help us understand that this is, in fact, a cycle of addiction and the five steps to begin to take to change and feel empowered. I am so, so excited to have you here, Orla. You are so welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jessica. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? It's a lot to take in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thanks. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your first 12 months of being alcohol-free AF, as everybody says nowadays. So thanks for having me. I'm delighted to <laughs> Thank be you. here. Thank you so much. Yeah, a, a topic exactly really close to my heart. One year off alcohol and comfort eating, and it feels like the shackles have been removed from my wrist. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that because I know a lot of people listening in and a lot of clients listening in uh, struggle with, with this. With this. Um, so let's start off. Why is it important to get a handle on unwanted drinking well you were saying there about alcohol use and comfort eating and and they're very linked in many ways aren't they um and when you think of alcohol use and comfort eating they're both ways to maybe self-regulate or mood alter so if you are drinking you are mood altering and after or while you're drinking and you're also comfort eating or comfort eating through a hangover or trying to get your blood sugar levels back over the following days. So those two behaviors are really, really linked. So it's great to to bring them both in. Um, gosh, I guess this is all about just trying to be empowered and to be making really conscious decisions about what's best for you what it is you actually want and when I think of so many clients who I meet whether it's for one session or six sessions or for even a year they're there because they really want to change something that in their gut and in their intuition feels wrong or feels off or they're just not happy with it and when we look at alcohol use in Ireland and particularly for women often it's not a really conscious choice to begin you know we're very much conditioned in Ireland to use alcohol We see the advertising and family and friends and social events, you name it, alcohol is there. So I think for a lot of women in their 40s who are really starting to focus on their health and their overall well-being, I'm 43. We're just questioning maybe everything that we have done up until this point and 
sometimes I don't know about you, but we just have time to turn our attention to ourselves. Yeah. And often the alcohol use is a big part of that, you know, because it comes with a lot of expenses, time, planning, maybe being hungover, maybe just not being quite so happy with what you're doing. And when you think of your own kinds, if you're doing so much exercise and really minding yourself during the week and then you're drinking a bottle of wine on a Friday and a Saturday, it just doesn't fit anymore. Um, and so I guess that's really a big part of it, you know, it's just uh, making decisions that are best for you in terms of your health in your 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age, really. And it's horrible, isn't it? Because like, yeah, I had a lot of time to think about this, that it's so glamorized on the TV and in marketing, a glass of champagne when you celebrate. And what's not chatted about is feeling so bloated and horrible and disgusting the next day. You know, and I know in my own, from my own experience, massive anxiety, feeling really negative about myself and uh, just this real self-loathing. And yes, <laughs> You, you just see on the TV and in advertisements like champagne, it's so glamorous. That's it's nothing fucking glamorous about it. Mm, I know. And you know what? Um, Like talking about anxiety and the hangover, like uh, alcohol at the end of the day, it is a drug. And so your brain thinks, oh, when I drink, this is rewarding. But it forgets the stressing before you drink or the the stressing the two or three days after it, it just forgets all of those parts of it you know doesn't it so yeah. um I mean at, at the end of the day it is a drug but it's not sold to us as a drug it's sold to us as something that you have to do that you need to do that you'll have so much more fun you know all, like all yeah. of these different messages that we get and we believe them until we really start challenging those be- beliefs um and so when we're talking about alcohol use, so when clients come to me, it's like, okay, well, so so what is the problem? And why do you have a problem with, it could be just one glass of wine, Jessica. You know, sometimes yeah. just one glass of wine feels too much. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned there that, uh, yeah, totally. It's so many of my clients, so they're exercising during the week, feeling really amazing. And then I think, yeah, you start to question why is it that I'm feeling amazing during the week? And when I'm off work and resting, that's when I feel at my absolute worst. Mm. You know, that we're not, um, we're not even thinking, we're not, we don't have, we haven't given ourselves the space to think or the time to think. And then all of a sudden we do. And it's like, oh my God, I'm actually feeling really bad at the weekend when I've been working so hard all week to feel really good. And then you notice that you don't actually have any uh, rest mornings where you're actually just giving your brain a little bit of downtime. It's a it's a mm. huge eye opener when you start to reflect on it. Yeah, but I mean, it's an exercise amazing because it is another way of mood altering. Uh, endorphins, dopamine, you know, you really feel good. You're burning stress, heart rate is up, you're like you're in your head. And then before you realize it, an hour is gone and you haven't been thinking about anything. So like to me, exercise is such an amazing way of mood altering and managing mood and kind of shifting energy. And so when you have that lovely high during the week and you come into maybe a Friday or Saturday, I think we're on autopilot. And a lot of the time, alcohol use, it's just, it's ritual, it's habit. Uh, it is reward. It's just Friday night. I've had such a busy week. I deserve this, you know? Yeah. And so 
when looking at alcohol use, it's just really helpful to look at like what, what are all the messages that we give ourselves about using alcohol? And are they true? And do they need to continue? Because um, I think that's what happens with alcohol use. So you have your good week during the week, and then so you have your high, and then a, a very short term high you know after a few glasses of wine and then a low and then a high low high low so you just get caught into this and then throw in all the hormones me perimenopausal you know like all these different things that are going on in life and it's just something that maybe doesn't need to be in there Mm. or can be looked at whether you're going to think about or whether you want to reduce it minimize it stop altogether or just really mindfully use alcohol in a way that feels a hundred percent um what feels best for you you know that you are in control of what and when and how you're drinking as opposed to being on autopilot or it being in control of you which is a problem space do you think that's it if somebody is listening in now and they're like they they think they might do you think do, do you think that it's it comes down to is it controlling you? And if it is, that's a problem. If you're like, no, not controlling me at all, then you're good. Mm -hmm. Any kind of reflection, any really thinking about your alcohol use is going to be beneficial. Um, And look, we have all these good guidelines now. So there's no, this is one of those really helpful things. There are no healthy guidelines for alcohol use. They don't exist because it is a drug. We have low risk guidelines, which are for women, 11 units. So a small glass of wine is one unit. But, you know, if you are quite generous with glasses of wine, that could be two, two and a half, three units. Um, so if you think of it in that way, there's no healthy way to drink. And so if you are drinking, it's definitely worth exploring that and just really looking into that habit, whether you don't think it's a problem or you're not sure or other people are saying you know what this is maybe you should think about drinking less or changing what you're drinking um so it's definitely worth being curious and being open and that's when I'm starting with clients I always say look let's just we're not being judgmental we're just being open and curious and exploring we're just going to um be mindful and really kind of put a spotlight on this and see what's happening that's all that that's a really good first step. And do you think um it's a good guideline also just to keep like for, for some people, if you're if you drink and you get drunk and you never drink without getting drunk, you have a problem. Um yeah, it's it's I mean I'm I'm not wanting to be judgmental or critical. Uh, but if you are always drinking and always getting drunk, you're not in control and you're always mood altering. And so you have an association that when I drink alcohol, I either I mean, your your brain's capacity to self-regulate is out the window. So if you're drinking and you're always, always getting drunk, there is a problem there, maybe a number of problems there. Uh, maybe one of those things that you don't even realize, oh yeah, actually that's true. Why is that? And just kind of getting into the questioning piece because if you're always getting drunk, it means that you're always getting hungover. Um, and I would see people who might have problem drinking and they will immediately say, no, I don't get hangovers. 
no, I just drink two glasses of wine. No, I, you know, and so it's a very immediate, no, 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 let's not go there. Um, and one of those things that's really interesting when someone might say, so let's talk about your alcohol use. And they'll say, yeah, I might have two, three glasses of wine. That's it. And then I might ask them, so what about what's left in the bottle? Oh, yeah, I might have that the next night. And then I might open another one. And and so you start to establish uh, with the clients their routine and their ritual. And if they always get drunk or maybe there there isn't a sense of being drunk because the more you drink, the less likely you're going to feel drunk. But you will have that kind of zoning out, you know, just uh, a way of kind of self-soothing, just, you know, not yeah. feeling um we kind of call it self-medicating really I love that so much I love your approach it it seems to be coming back the whole time to the questioning part I love Mm. that so much I also feel it's a really self-compassionate kind gentle way it's lovely really nice yeah um can we start to talk about the steps to changing unwanted behaviors Someone's listening in right now and they're thinking, Orla, yes, this is me. I've reflected. I really want to change. Can you help? What can I do? Yeah. Um, and you know what? So I just picked five really simple ways to explore this from start to end. And the truth is, so sometimes when there's problem with alcohol, there is also other issues going on. It could be pain. It could be hormones. It could be, um, what else could it be? Even being feeling addicted to caffeine like it can be over shopping overeating like so it doesn't have to be these steps don't have to be specifically around alcohol use and um, but for the purpose of this we're just going to explore around alcohol but just again keep an open mind because if there's alcohol use maybe you're drinking three cups of coffee the next morning to get to work or maybe you're getting a takeaway or binge eating and comfort eating or taking paracetamol you know so when you look at alcohol use and you really explore that, there's usually lots more going on. Okay. Um, so we are just going to look at the five steps. So the first one is around evaluating. The second one is developing your own self-awareness and just looking inwards. The third is goal setting. So helping you identify, okay, what is my goal really specifically around this? And then we have planning and starting to put a bit of a plan in place. And then the fifth is kind of around experiencing all of those things together um and in recovery we kind of talk about don't think about three months down the line six months down the line a year you know so that's long term so when you're starting to do habit changing habit forming creating new habits you know just taking it one day at a time and having short-term goals and as you start to meet them you start to build confidence um and just it, it gets much easier otherwise it can just feel really really overwhelming okay Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So the first one is around evaluating. So what I would always be saying to someone, uh, Jessica, is okay. So you're here in this session. Um, what's the problem? And if it's alcohol use, even just sitting down, getting a piece of paper, doing a brainstorm. So if it's alcohol use, whether it's one glass of wine or one bottle of gin, whatever it is, put that on the paper. I don't like my drinking. I don't like the fact that I'm self-medicating, mood altering. I just feel awful all the time. But get it all on the page. So what you're just trying to do is self-reflect, evaluate what's happening, 
do a total brainstorm. There's no limitations on this, you know, because actually, I mean, we're one person. Everything is linked. Um, so I really focusing that. on I love that so much. I love that so much. Yeah. You get a cup of tea or a glass of water, go sit in the garden with your journal and just go for it. Completely private to you. You can just go for it. I love that. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it gives you freedom. It does. It really gives this kind of freedom. And again, I, I, I think as women, we're just so self-critical. We're so judgmental. You know, like we just berate ourselves all the time for everything. And again, yeah. even giving yourself the space to not do that is a small little mind shift. You yeah. know, it's a change in your mindset. It's like saying, you know what? I'm going to treat myself the same as I would a friend. And like you say, go sit in the garden and do your brainstorm. So that first step is evaluate everything, get it all out on the page um, and any of those linked problems. So we're not judging. We're not trying to find root causes. None of that. It's just exploring what's happening at the moment. Okay. Um, And you know what? I think when we start to evaluate, we actually, because you're putting focus on maybe the alcohol use, you're really looking at it from being subjective and objective so two glasses of wine is it really two glasses of wine are they bigger gin and tonics is it really just friday and saturday am i finding that on a wednesday actually i'm wanting a drink but i'm not drinking so get all that on the page okay okay great that's step one okay understood okay the second one then is around self-awareness so developing self-awareness and um, and I like to think of self-awareness in, in kind of three stages so the first one is general awareness and then self-awareness and a deeper awareness so it's nice it's kind of has a little bit of depth and, and context to it so what we're talking about in step two is just developing your own self-awareness and this is really um specifically around the alcohol use the what what you drink when you drink it Try to explore why you drink it, who you drink it with, how much it costs, when does it happen, how long does it take, really developing your own awareness around the habit. Is it always social? Is it always at home? You know, just again, do your brainstorm, get it all down and really start to drill into forgetting about everybody else. This is not about everybody else. This is only about you. So you're really writing down the facts of that behavior. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got um, it. Love us. Because we have a real tendency around alcohol use, unintentional, just minimizing. And I think that comes with um these types of behaviors, whether it's gambling or alcohol or self-medication to minimize. Oh, sure. It's only two glasses of wine. Well, actually, it's probably a bottle if you've bought a full bottle, you know. Yeah. So you are, you're really visually looking at, okay, yeah, I can see that. And, and one of the big problems around behavioral change, Jessica, I think is that we spend a lot of time thinking and thinking is not doing. And so just starting to sit down and write and journal, it's bringing it into a different space. You're actively now doing something. It's kind of constructive thinking. Love that. Yeah, I love that. And that really resonated with me. I totally get that whole minimizing thing minimizing yeah and uh, then ignoring it and rushing around and not thinking about it at all really get that yeah I think and and very common around alcohol use and so now that you have the facts the other thing that's helpful around the self-awareness piece is like just looking at so what have I done to try to stop reduce limit minimize this like what have I tried to do before for some people when they're only bringing focus to changing alcohol use 
this might be the first time they've ever tried to do anything you know um whereas other people might have said well I've thought about stopping but I haven't actually done anything so thinking is not doing that's what I'm always trying to get that message it's like it's like kind of saying "I, I, I want to lose six pounds you know you can think about that for 20 years and never lose six pounds because you're not actively doing anything to work towards that goal I love that. And you know what I, I noticed with myself as well is that, yeah, like you have to act because even if for from myself, when I acted and say, for example, I tried to minimize and then I realized that didn't work for me. That's really cool for me to have known that it didn't work for me. So then I could think about stopping as opposed to just not doing anything at all because I'm just in the thinking phase. So, yeah, I completely get that. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's okay for it to not work because, you know, as in if you try one one style of alcohol, whatever, changing your behaviors and you're like, nah, that doesn't work. It's not another stick to beat yourself with. It's just that particular way doesn't work for you. And that's really cool to know that. Yeah, it is. It, it's so true. And again, like this is all about a new experiences. Like as long as you are moving forward and shifting and changing and exploring, progress is happening. But if you are caught in that cycle um of okay uh so i'm i don't like to drink this week and then i drink on a friday and then i feel bad and low after and then i commit to stop and then i have a stressor or it's friday again and i drink you get caught in this cycle of feeling out of control or feeling like i don't have the capacity to do this or i'm a failure and and that is the addiction of uh that is the cycle of addiction and uh what i always think is really helpful to get across is recommitting to stop is also a part of a cycle of addiction it's not changing um and and so a lot of people say yeah I could I did it for seven days that was the best I could do okay that's fine you're still in a cycle of addiction then because that's trying to stop is still a part of stopping and remaining stopped is is very very different to being caught in that up down up down feeling feeling bad that you talked about in one of your episodes yeah okay okay great Agree. This is yeah. so simple. I, lo- I love this. So, so far it's evaluate self-awareness. Yeah. Setting. Uh, so number three is around goal setting. So you've evaluated the problem you want to focus on. You have identified all of your behaviors, habits, and you don't have to do this in one sitting. You know, you can explore this over a few days and, you know, keep notes, journal in your phone or whatever. So the goal setting piece is for alcohol. I guess you could kind of break it down into, um, into four areas so you could break it down into changing the habit um in whatever way you want so maybe if you're drinking hard spirits that you want to cut that down into something softer lighter whatever that is so um you can either change the habit or not drink when you go out socializing or a big one would be learning to not drink at home alone that's quite a, a big one um after covid you might decide to um practice a harm reduction so that again would be okay so I I usually have a few glasses of wine and then I might have a few shots of vodka or whatever so actually no I'm going to stick with wine and I'm going to stick with wine and it's just going to be no more than whatever the goal is or it could be around mindful drinking so you allow yourself to have a drink with dinner or one you're not totally cutting out but when you are drinking you are just really enjoying that drink you know, so you're not having a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine. You're just limiting yourself to one or two drinks and you're happy and comfortable with that. And it's really nice and regulated. 
And can I ask you when you've been um, uh, coaching people, is that how you describe it? Um, um, and they have tried those things and it hasn't worked for them. Do they feel like they've failed or do you find that they think, oh, that that way hasn't worked. Let's try it a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. is it important for people to know that you're not failing if those things don't work for you or or do people know that anyway? Yeah, look, I think everybody's different. You know, the first, the fourth one then is around just total abstinence, total sobriety, alcohol free. Um, some people are very resistant to totally stopping and that's okay. There's a lot of stigma around that. Maybe they've got lots of messages. There's something wrong with you if you don't drink. Um, if they are totally adverse to giving up completely, we will look at the harm reduction approach or really cutting down. Um, some people just have really, really addictive personalities um if they open a packet of biscuits they can't have two the whole packet has to be gone or the crisps or when they go running they have to run the 20k you know so that also is the same when it comes to alcohol use um so for those people who keep trying to to limit or reduce and if they can't stay within those parameters the next option is to stop and to be honest for a lot of people that being on the fence is really difficult because you're you're still drinking, but you're having to totally stop. And it's it can be quite hard to try to manage that because you're trying to really be two things, you know. And, yeah. and it's yeah. much easier to be in, you know, I think of the, a field, one field I'm a drinker, the other field I'm alcohol free. And when you're swaying on the fence, you're kind of neither one or the other. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it'd be quite hard then to it's, I mean, it's so much clearer. You're either not drinking or you're cutting down your alcohol use or you have the capacity to drink mindfully, you know, and there are no issues there. So a mm-hmm. lot of people will maybe choose, you know what, it's just easier to not have that internal battle, to have a glass of wine. Will I have another one? You know, and everything that comes with that. Oh, so it's yeah. so personal, Jessica. It yeah. really is very personal. Yeah. I totally understand that. And that that's actually what I what I resonate resonate with the most. It's it's funny looking back, but like yeah, I remember trying to cut down and then having said, oh well I'll have like beers before wine and then I'll switch to like something else. And God <laughs> it was 10 times worse you know I was having a constant battle all night long and then I was drinking more of different stuff and I still ended up back on the wine at the end of the night but but it was my journey and it took me then to finally making the decision Um, and I love that you've given all these options for people because they can just you know see what works for them Mm -hmm. as everyone's different as you said yeah, it's so true. And it doesn't have to be that black or white thinking just because you decide to give alcohol for three months. It doesn't mean that you have a problem. It doesn't mean that you need rehab. It doesn't mean that you have a dependency. Could there be one? Yes, of course. You go to a therapist and you explore that. But just because you're stopping, like, again, one day at a time, just for today, I'm just not going to drink. And, you know, so just yeah. it's, it really is this kind of lovely, soft compassionate approach to addressing this um and so then the fourth step is around planning so what we're talking there is okay have my goals uh whatever that is if you don't drink for the seven days so much alcohol use it's not necessarily dependent use it's not 
being addicted. It's not having crazy withdrawals. It's not thinking about your next drink. Um, but the planning piece is really around addressing predictable behavior. So if you always drink on a Friday night and a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, you know that you can preempt and prepare for those scenarios. And really it's trying to put something in place, doing something different, having different drinks in the house, totally changing your schedule, working through what's happening in your body, the urges, the surges, you know, changing up your routine. So you're really planning how you are going to um, experience that period of time which may only be two or three or four hours where you're not drinking okay. um and i think that's probably the more challenging one you know is is is, is trying to put yourself in that okay what else can i do what should i do what do i actually want to do instead so again it's really going inwards and trying to look at this from a different perspective okay okay i love that Lo- love that step mm. brilliant okay i get that yeah yeah and you know jessica the fitness is such an amazing way of working through habit forming because you're not thinking about the problem you're not thinking about drinking you can go for your run you have the endorphin hit dopamine hit you're feeling good relaxed you've got to have a good quality sleep so exercise i think is always a really good strategy and a really good tool to help you work through those urges and surges if you are trying to give up alcohol or really cut down oh i love that so much i love that so much again completely resonate with that the the lovely feeling of feeling kind of calm and relaxed and settled settled yeah yeah, lovely Brilliant. feeling, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it's so in your body, isn't it? You know, I love, I'm not a good runner. I try my best. But, you know, to come back and just, oh, I'm I, I'm physically tired. That is such a wonderful feeling, particularly if you have a lot of stress or a really busy life or children running around to feel physically tired when you get into bed and not be thinking, oh, I shouldn't have sat in and yeah not done anything you know it's a yeah. lovely lovely I feeling. love feeling physically tired on. yeah I was only chatting to my husband about this the other day being physically tired is amazing I love it and you just really love getting into bed then and yeah I really enjoy it it's great it's a lovely feeling and then the last one is the experiencing so the experiencing piece is really trying to put all this together Okay. So you have been doing your journaling, maybe creating a diary, making a plan, lots of active kind of planning, writing. And so in the experiencing, what you are doing is you're creating new habits and new behaviors, particularly around the times when you drink. You know, what? it's actually such a hard thing, even going to the supermarket and trying to not walk down the alcohol aisle. You know, like all of this happens I mean, when you think of a behavior like alcohol, it's not just in the drinking, you know, in AA, the chocolate, it's your thinking, not your drinking. So even all of this happens long before a drink even touches your lips. So on the Monday, planning your week, when you go shopping, not going down the alcohol aisle, and then you might not have to go down other aisles, you know, so yeah, um, it all comes into play just in your everyday life when you're doing these ha- new habit forming, new habit changes. Yeah, totally um, seeing pictures of women uh, in their 40s after a day of shopping with a glass of champagne in their hand, I, I think is quite uh, triggering, you know, because you're thinking you get a pang to that experience, you know. 
Mm, that's where we have the whole wine o'clock, you know, all yeah. of these. And, and alcohol is sold to women in so many different ways. Um, yeah. And there was, so then in the experiencing, you were also working through those really uncomfortable urges. And when you think alcohol is a mood altering, so it either stops you feeling or it helps you feel better. And so what's happening if you're not doing that, you have to be in your body feeling the urges maybe you're just really angry because you don't want because you want to have a drink but you've committed to not so it's quite an uncomfortable space to work through a lot of those urges I think you need to tell yourself you can do it and when you do it and you work through your brain realizes actually that was okay wasn't as bad as I thought you know and that urge only lasted 10 minutes or 24 hours or whatever length of time and so you are relearning um I can get through a whole weekend without drinking or a whole month or a wedding, whatever it is. Um, and so, so you are just creating new experiences. Um, and then the other small things are around, you know, acknowledging the small wins, uh, waking up with no hangover, just really acknowledging small milestones. Seven days. Great. If you've never done seven days before, that's fantastic. You know, if you've never done, one big social event before that's fantastic so really experiencing life without alcohol or just with one glass of wine or with no spirit whatever your goal was and so that's very motivating to keep you moving forward just proving to yourself it is possible there are positives you can change behaviors like all of these really really internal shifts that can only happen through the experiencing of those changes. So they're the five. They're the five really. I mean, we're breaking that down really quickly here, you know. Um, I love it, it though. I love it though, because it's really simple. And I love really simple steps to follow. I think that's it's terrific. People know, right, step one, getting it down on paper, thinking. I mm-hmm. I, I I really love that. It's terrific. Before you go. And that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Um, Tell us about your business. People listening in, they're like, yeah, I love the sound of Orla. She sounds so up my street. Um, How do they get in touch with you? And and, and what's what's the process like? Yeah, sure. So um, I live in Kildare and before COVID, I started to move my clients online because uh, I was watching a lot of the American models and I started to do a lot of the work online. So once COVID happened, I closed my practice in Kildare and I moved 100% online. Um, and clinicians like myself, we use something, I use something like Doxy. It's similar to Zoom. So it is like an online therapy room for clients. You check in, you just relax for your five minutes and then we have the session online. And what I've been doing is I've set up a system that's just really easy for clients to go onto my website, orlery.com. They can view, schedule, book, reschedule, cancel appointments. And so appointments are in the morning or later in the evening. So I guess I really want to give my clients the capacity to, I mean, everyone has really busy lives, so they can move around. They don't need to be ringing me to be scheduling sessions. So, and then we meet online, whether they're in work or in their car or wherever they are, you know, so the online is really fantastic for anyone. Um, 
the work that I do, so I would call myself a specialist psychotherapist. And what I mean by that is that, of course, I do general psychotherapy, but my two real passions are around addiction recovery and kind of well-being recovery and change, whether that's alcohol, substances, or maybe an illness recovery. And then this whole field of sexology, which is around intimacy, sexual disorders, um, maybe sexual pain. So I really try to work with clients, men and women, in either of those two fields, because that's what I just really love that work. It's fantastic work. Um, and I see clients make really great progress. So that's the two areas that I usually mm-hmm. focus on. Yeah. So if there is anyone listening who either just wants to have a talk about that behavior or is contemplating change around alcohol, changing how they think, any unwanted feelings. I mean, the first step, Jessica, is starting to open up and just identify what is the problem, what's the nature of the problem. And I mean, that is a massive step because it's bringing you from just thinking about something to actively doing something and I mean I cannot stress how huge that is to go to the therapist and pour everything out and say okay let's have a look at this you know uh, yeah. it's such a great first step and and to not worry about the rest just do that first yeah and lovely to go to somebody that doesn't know them and they're not connected in the family I, yeah it's terrific yeah mm-hmm. Orla, thank you so, so much um, for being a guest on the pad- podcast, orlareed.com, O-R-L-A-G-H-R-E-I-D.com and we'll have it on the show notes. Thank you. All my thank love. Thank you, Jessica. Bye. Thank you.